Yes, hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we've been finding, buying and growing income for property for over 20 years. And we talk on this podcast every week about the reality of running our property businesses. As always, first of all, thank you to all those listening to the show and leaving us reviews and ratings. If you haven't yet done so, please do that. It really does help the show and we very much do appreciate it. And we always read out the reviews, every single one of them. So please do that. So this week, Simon and I are talking about how to find tenants. And before we get into that conversation around how you would do that, at the highest level, you kind of got three options. And main option, which we all know and love, is essentially you use an agent and that agent will do uh, everything for you. So they'll they'll find the tenant, they'll onboard the tenant, they'll do all of the tenant checks, etc. So it's truly a hands-off. There is also another agent option, which is tenant find only. And for that, you will pay a set fee of a certain amount and the agent will do exactly what it says on the tin. They will find that tenant, place it into your property and then essentially hand it over to you. And then you run it from there on in. Third option and the one we're talking about today, for those of you that are thinking about taking this on yourselves or have done some of it, but not all of it, is really around finding your own tenants and who better to start us kick us off with this other than Simon because Simon is very much doing this on all of his portfolio and is best placed to talk about how we start it so when you think about this Simon when what's what's the first thing you think about when you're thinking about uh getting a tenant into a property so for example obviously you did this very recently in the last year you were purchasing an investment property in the back of your mind, you're you're always thinking about when the right time is to get that tenant. Yeah, so I think first of all, I think, oh no, not again. Because I don't really enjoy the whole process of finding a tenant, partly because it is sort of effort, but also because it means there's sort of a risk of a void or a, a gap between tenancies and things like that. And there's lots of moving pieces to try and be aware of as you're you're changing tenants over. So perhaps I should start off with with why I do this myself rather than delegating it out to a to an agent. And I have in the past used tenant find agents. I haven't I don't think, if my recollection is correct, ever used a full managing agent. But but I have used tenant find agents in the past. But I don't do that anymore. Partly because it gets very expensive, as in some I think a sort of standard fee for just a tenant find is in the region of a month's rent these days. Some Sometimes I have heard of it being even more than that. Back when I used to do it, it used to be half a month's rent. So that, that seemed a bit sort of more manageable. But, but yeah, so it's got a bit more expensive. And also I feel that when, it, when the agent is just finding the tenant, particularly when it's just a, a tenant find agent deal, is they don't really care all that much about who they find for your property. It's just sort of, oh, it's a tenant. Yeah, that's fine. Off you go. Tick the box. Job done. Get the income. And, and these days, I I very much take a lot more care about who the tenant is. And not just from sort of, will they pay the rent, which is obviously a very key element of it, but also, will they look after the property? And will 
they stay in the property for a reasonable amount of time. Because as I said a few moments ago, I don't look forward to this process. And hence, I quite like it not to be happening every six months. It would be good if it was happening every few years, ideally, um, but, but certainly as least often as, as possible. Yeah, and I'll so, just add yeah. very quickly on the tenant fired for that very reason. And of course, most of my portfolio is HMO. If we did a tenant find for, um, and I would I would say it's roughly the same. So essentially you'd pay typically one month's rent for that service. Obviously, if someone only stayed, you know, hopefully you'd have minimum contracts six months, but it could be less. But the quicker, obviously those people rotate out, obviously the, the, more, the more you're paying for it, as opposed to the 12, 15% that you might pay an agent over the longer term so that was all that was always my worry because you, you, you've then got someone in and if you paid for someone that maybe the diligence hasn't been as much as you would like then they're going to turn over quicker quicker which means actually you're paying more for that tenant fine service exactly and especially in hmos because tenants do just tend to stay for shorter periods in hmos and where i'm looking at sort of family homes i would hope that the family might stay for years and years and years and indeed i think my longest tenant is is going on for 10 years nearly now so so i think that that's fairly common in a family home but in an hmo to find an hmo tenant living in the same same room for 10 years i think is exceptionally rare e- even more than a year i suspect is fairly uncommon so so so, so where do people start well, if if they've not done it before and they are scared to make that jump from agent to tenant finding it can can seem quite daunting if you, if you want to you know build a business and I, and I would just say this before we go into that if you are looking to build an agent uh, a, a property business I say agency business because essentially that's what you become and and that's what certainly what my business is kind of become is is basically a letting agent but uh, it can sit it can feel a little bit daunting however you know you know you're going to keep that additional uh, income within the business but Simon where did you start so I I just quickly say on that that. That yes, I sort of become a, a letting agent, but only only for a very short period of time, and hopefully not very often. <laughs> but but yes, if in a bigger portfolio and a bigger property business, yeah, you're right. You're doing this yourself. You are taking on a lot of those those roles and those actions. So I think the place to begin is to be prepared. So before you can put your property out there on the market, there are things you need to to have ready about your property, and of course the the most obvious one is good photos. And there, there are some sort of basic tips if you're going to take photos yourself. I wouldn't actually recommend this, but always make sure the, the, the rooms are well lit. Turn the lights on, even if there's sunlight coming in, so they're really well lit. Use um, a good camera. Make sure you, you capture as much of the, the room as you can and make sure that it, it's not weird angles and things like that. But also tidy rooms, clean, things like that. If you're taking photos when tenants are in the property, because you're, you're now looking for, for new tenants or replacement tenants, I should say, then um, ask them to actually tidy up because it, it does make a real difference to the impression that, that people take from, from looking at these photos. But yeah. if you can... Oh, sorry, go on, Stuart. But, you know, we, I was going to say, we, we can you know, go into this and we're not going to go into it too deeply, but I would just say that on that score, um, it's incredibly important. And you know, sometimes we think it's common sense and... It, it's not always common sense, but it's also that some people just aren't aware of it. So, so what, you know, also if it's a property that you've had for, for a period of time, or as you've said, there are tenants in it, it's very easy just to do 
basically do what you can. The my little tip on that is speak with speak with the existing tenants and or agents. So I, I literally do speak to tenants and say, look, we've got people coming around to take photos or we've got viewings. Um, on this day, please ensure that the beds are made and things are just packed away. And that's a perfectly reasonable request that not everybody does. So, um, yeah, I would just yeah. follow through on that because that the photos make all the difference. And the final thing I say is if you're unsure, just show some photos to friend or someone that you're you're talking with in a coffee shop and just how what what do you think of this these property photos or this property and you'll get an objective view because mm. sometimes it's very hard because if it's our own property to see the little things you know because we put up with the sofa it's, it's like at home you know you go to other people's home and you go oh that sofa looks a bit ropey or oh i don't know why they haven't cleaned that up or painted that um, patch in the corner because day in day out we see it and it becomes less of an issue but of course when you're trying to and also attract the best tenants, you want to make sure that you've got a good uh, good property photos to attract those. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll make sure we redecorate before we invite you around next, Stuart. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that, that's sort of some tips on photos, but really I would suggest getting a professional photographer to take photos. And ideally, I would, if you can prepare enough, I would do this when the property's empty, either before you've got, tenants in it at all or perhaps when you have a gap between tenants and you, you get that opportunity um in my experience taking professional photos cost in the region of 200 pounds obviously it, it's more if the property is bigger it's more if you're in the south less if you're in the north and and sort of various fluctuations that people are, are used to it's in that range and quite often photographers these days will also put together a floor plan for you lots of rental property listings don't have floor plans but i think they really help and it'll differentiate your listing from a lot of other rental listings if you do have a floor plan. And lots of photographers will do that now as part of doing the photos. So, so I think that's, that's all good to have. The other thing you need is a description of your property. It doesn't need to be anything very fancy. You can even ask AI to, to write descriptions these days for, for property. And it, the AI ones come out a bit strange because obviously they're very generic. It doesn't really know what your property is, but, um, but it gives you a starting base and then you can just just sort of tweak it from there so so i mean i'll, I'll just read out my buy one for my recent property very quickly so it's uh, i'm proud to offer this delightful two double bedroom two bathroom terraced house in a great location <laughs> and uh, you can see this is not really my writing i've taken some inspiration here but it then goes on to today it's available to move in from the date that it's available from this property benefits from allocated parking with an ev charger and has been recently refurbished throughout. The kitchen has all appliances, including a dishwasher. The property has an easy maintenance private garden, and the property is offered unfurnished. And, and that's basically it. That, that's all you need. You, you don't need to go go crazy in the description. It just needs to show the, the, the critical details about the property. And I think that, that's it. And then you're, you're ready. You do need an EPC to be compliant as you're listing your property, but the, the listing portals will, will help enforce that anyway. Um, but yeah. That's it for, for being prepared. The, so the question I think people will ask on that is always furnished or unfurnished. And so you've, you've got yours as unfurnished. And my understanding was always that unfurnished is better, but that does depend on the property type. So obviously, we, we, well, say obviously, it's not always obvious, but within our properties that are HMOs, they are all furnished. 
and because that's the expectation. Obviously, you're marketing a family home, and typically families will want to bring their own stuff because that's what we do. So it, I just ha- highlighting that as a point for people to think about because that is just one thing. But also, you know, it's not something I get completely hung up on. If you've if you've got a brand new property that is unfurnished, then that's how I would advertise it. If you've had a property that's been furnished, my first thought would be, well, okay, if that's if that's the way it's been, market it as furnished, because typically people that want to you to get rid of stuff will come to you and ask if they can get rid of the bed or the, I say get rid of it, they'll ask you to take away the, the bed or the coffee table or whatever it is. So I don't think it's one of those things to get hung up on, but just to be mindful of that those are options, you know, that you can have furnished or unfurnished, but typically for family and buy to lets, unfurnished is typically better versus HMOs where people expect the stuff to be in the property. Yeah, a sort of slight tweak on that is around the, the kitchen appliances. And it, even in buy to let, you're never quite sure whether you should include kitchen appliances or shouldn't include. And th- this can range from sort of dishwashers through washing machines through uh, fridge freezers you generally speaking would expect the the oven and hob to be provided but in in the property i've been advertising recently they, those things are all there they, they are sort of part of the kitchen not not all built in but obviously they're they're there but one of the the people viewing recently did say oh well we've got our own washing machine could could we put that somewhere or could we swap them over or, and it's, mm, well you could maybe but <laughs> so so you you do you do have some sort of i don't know massaging of, of sort of expectations versus what's available to 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 work out even just within a kitchen yeah. yeah and for me those conversations it's always on the owner as in we are the property owners and if some you know some if i've got a washing machine I, I've had this on a couple of items actually recently where someone wanted to replace the beds that were in there. And I said, that, that's fine, but it, you'll have to find the storage of the bed get and also arrange for the removal of the bed. And guess what? No beds. They, <laughs> they did. <laughs> and it's the same. Someone's got their own washing machine. I'd say, well, well, my first answer that would be n- no. Um, washing machine is a washing machine, but I, I appreciate. So again, I think people ask the questions because they're just the questions to be asked. But if, they, if they're so deeply in love with a washing machine, I'd say put it in storage if if um, if that's how in love you are with this, which, which, people, which people can be, which people can be. But let's get into, so we've, we've talked about the property and we've, we've talked about some of those elements. So let's get into actually, how do we go out and find the tenants? Where are we going to get these people from? Indeed. So uh, once you've got all your information prepared, you, you've got to get a listing out there. You've got to get advertise your property. And there, there are a, a number of different sort of do-it-yourself options and sites for this. I'm going to mention two, but as I said, there, there, are lots of others, uh, there are lots of others out there. So the two I will mention is OpenRent, which is the one I use or have used recently. Uh, and they, they will put a, a listing out to all the main portals and, and their own site and things for £49 at the moment. Uh, another one that I think Stuart's used in the past is called Visum. And their current price is £89 for, for roughly equivalent to, to what OpenRent does for, for 49 And that's, again, all sort of portal listings and things. They do have a slightly cheaper option than their 89 one, which is a bit more restricted. But I just thought I'd give the, the like-for-like pricing there. So once you've, you've chosen your advertising site, obviously you need to sign up, create an account, 
um, they they will quite often go through a, a verification process now to ensure that you do actually own the property or or have rights over the, the property that you're trying to to rent out. And I think this is to try and try and combat a lot of fraud that that is around these days, unfortunately. But once you've gone through that process, it's normally very straightforward. Upload the photos, upload the floor plan, fill in your description, fill in some extra standard stuff. So as well as information in the description, they are standard questions like, is it furnished or unfurnished? What's the rent? What's the deposit? What's the date it's available from? Do you accept pets or smokers or various other sort of yes or no type requirements? So you fill all those in, fill in the choice of, of product you're, you wanted to choose for the advertising uh, and click the button. And, and that's it really. Oh, of course, you have to pay them. <laughs> but, uh, but they will then put the listing live. It takes anything from a few minutes to a few hours to get the listing actually up onto the, the various portals. And then you sit back and wait for the inquiries to roll in. And my experience is that they do roll in. In the current markets, they do roll in and you get a lot of inquiries. So... The other element I would advise people if you're going to do this yourself, and of course, you know, we, Simon and myself, are both high, highly engaged with Patma because uh, Simon founded the, the, the software and Patma is designed for people, not just self-managing, but people that want to operate um, their property businesses. But um, what um, what is really key for me is the organisation, pre um pre-submission of your advert to the market because my experience is you will get a lot of inquiries and not all inquiries are equal so my experience of visor which is a good one because so you know property is in a very good location or ours that we tend to use it for uh, it's in a very good location etc etc so we get we, we get stacks in the first 24 hours we can get anything up to 50 inquiries and what Viasm has and I'm sure open rent will have something similar is that immediately you can grade those inquiries before you've done anything uh, and the first thing I tend to do and actually this is this was my little tip and it's a little tip I use in lots of areas of my life but I send out an automated email that requests a little piece of information and to be honest it doesn't matter what it is but what it does is it does a couple of things. It it lets you know um, sort of how keen the person is it, it, and it lets you know what sort of person they are in terms of um, whether or not they feed back with what it is you've asked. So so I'll have an automated yeah. thing. As soon as someone inquires, it sends them a little message that says, thanks a lot for your inquiry. Please note that this property is X, Y, and Z. Uh, so also you can set out some things that, again, might um, exclude certain people, but, you, you know, it's a, it's a studio flat, so it's not suitable for... Uh, etc or it might you know unfortunately you know whatever it is put something in there and again half the people will respond to that half the people won't so those half that just haven't responded they're gone yeah i always (laughs) i always think of david brent when i do this because uh it it reminds me a little bit of um uh when uh you know when when you're employing someone you take a lot of cvs david brent so david brent famously of the office and he's you know he's got some sage advice there he said uh, one of the things that he always says is never employ unlucky people so take half the cvs that you receive and throw them in the bin and i thought that's yeah that's really good <laughs> so obviously we're not advising that you just select half people in front of them it's just a it's just a joke but they um but that, that there is a good the, the software is really good then once i've had a bit of communication so on visum they've got like a five-star rating so 
five stars being really good, one star being all not so good. And that could just be in your initial engagements or things that just think, oh, that doesn't sound quite right. Um, so that so that would be my kind of tip on that is, you know, use that software for those for, for what it's intended for to to help you compress the the number of leads you've got. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is somewhere where, or an element where I think Fizem is is better and, and does this processing better. Open rents, sort of messaging back and forth between tenants and prospective tenants and landlords, is a bit clunky. You don't get that rating system, and it's a bit difficult to keep track of who you've replied to and who you haven't, and 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 sort of managing that in open rent. So it's not not as good, but it's cheaper. So yeah, you know. Um, but I thought, having done this quite recently, I would just read out the questions that I actually respond to people. So in that sort of initial message that goes out, as you say, to rule out basically 50% of people who won't bother following up. And and I, I do actually use it to actually sort of collect some information. So I have a little intro that says, thank you for your inquiry. Um, there have been lots of inquiries, so I would like to request some extra details. Can you please uh, reply with answers to these questions? So... One, how many people, adults or children, would be living at the house? Two, what jobs or work are these people currently doing? Three, where are you currently living? Four, what rent are you currently paying? Five, why are you looking to move? And six, what pets do you have, if any? And in, in my recent experience, as Stuart said, about half of people just won't bother replying. So, so that's them dealt with don't need to worry any further then the other half in my experience actually reply pretty completely and and they provide good information that you can actually use to to try and gauge whether they would be the right type of of tenant for you and and this isn't always just sort of picking the ones with the biggest income or the fancier sounding jobs or whatever it it is also looking at why they're looking to move at the moment because i mean it it might be that their their current landlord is is selling and has asked them to move and that's that's sort of a a, a fairly legitimate reason i think to, to move other people might have more unusual sounding reasons for moving that you, you might want to question and, and ask them a bit more about so yeah, yeah. i think it's a, a good sort of first categorization of people yeah and i think also as i said before there's a level of diligence required for people to fill that back because i'll be honest you know if i got that sort of email i'd be like oh i don't even i don't know if i could be bothered to do it however in in the current climate where we know that that renting is tricky i would imagine more people to do it so so the half that that couldn't bring themselves to do that for me all already gives me a level of confidence in those that have responded um and conscious of the time we've got on this podcast so when we've got a number of requests and, and, and Simon's already talked about that, what I've tended to do is I, I will, when I put the property in the market, I've already decided the day I'm going to do an open day. Because then if we're doing this ourselves, time is of the essence and my time is quite um, important. Obviously, everyone's is to themselves. So I will select a day and it will be day X and it'll be, you know, and I'll try and make it reasonable. So it'll be on a Saturday, uh, you know, let's say three or four weeks uh, hence so that everyone has an opportunity. And and unfortunately, you do get a lot of people say, I can't make this date because of X, Y, and Z. Can I come on another day? And and unfortunately, they will also deselect themselves for that reason because 
because you get you know and, and you know look, sometimes I don't always feel great because some people work and they'll work in you know kitchens or restaurants and and it's not tricky but we've had so many inquiries we had to do that you know we had to do that so yep, you're nodding agree. Simon so I'm guessing you do something very similar so on the next level how do you plan out that day yep it, it, exactly the same as you suggested really um obviously because I've got tenants currently in the property I need to arrange it with them I need to work out mm. whether they want to be there as well or whether you can show people around without them in, in this case my current tenants um prepared the property and cleaned and tidied and whatever else and and then said that they would be out for the for the viewings and let me me handle them and and yes it's just i had a couple of hours in the morning a couple of hours in the afternoon on this particular day and they were the 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 slots that i had available in in the past i i have sort of well in fact the last time i was letting out this property last year i I had much sort of shorter slots i think i did 15 minute slots and at that time i i let people just wander around the house on their own because it was empty um whereas this time i knew i needed to actually walk around with respective tenants because obviously there's there's current tenants belongings in the property and things so you can't just leave people to wander around on their own so uh, so i allocated longer slots i actually went for half an hour on this time and i think that was probably a little bit too long but some of the people who actually came and looked around were telling me that the other places they've been to view with with agents they were, were not just doing block viewings as in sort of one after another, but they were having three sets of prospective tenants all view simultaneously. So as in they, they'd wait for the, the three sets of prospective tenants to turn up and then they'd walk around sort of six people at a time around this property to, to view. And, and I think that, that's, that sounds a bit, bit crazy. And particularly one of the reasons why I wouldn't want to do that is because I like the opportunity to actually talk to the prospective tenants a little bit i actually tend to just ask them the same questions i asked them in the the email message earlier but i feel it it's i I get a better response perhaps more detailed and you can ask follow-up questions and things like that by asking them in person so as i'm walking around the property showing them the property i'll also ask them these questions so so that i think that that works quite well with the the actual uh, viewing process but taking a step back a little bit to arranging these I used some technology to help me with this on this occasion. So I had these slots and I used uh, a system called SavvyCal because I, I use this with, with Patma anyway for arranging appointments. But you can actually arrange these or create these appointment slots in Google Calendar these days. And there's also a, a free product called cal.com, which also allows you to, to do the same kind of thing. Pick an area or pick a time slot and you say there's 30 minute slots in this, this time period. And you just send a link out to all of, the, all of the people that you think are, are good enough that you'd like to offer a viewing to, and they can self-select the time that they want to, to turn up. I think that works very well for sort of self-organizing. You don't need to keep going back and forth to different messages saying, can you do this slot? No, oh, could you do this one instead? And things, you just send out a link saying, here you go, here are the slots available, pick the one you want. Yeah, definitely. And we, we set uh, limited slots, so I had you know maximum of whatever it was, 10 or 15 on the day. And that that was going to be the limit because we'd done this before and we knew we were confident that we would get offers. And for us, yeah, the first person that viewed it offered, wanted to be, yeah, the second person did the third. Put, and to be honest, but I think it, it was a little while ago now. So, I, but I think by the third or fourth person that said they wanted the property, I then cancelled all few, uh, cancelled all other viewings because it just didn't seem fair to 
everyone else. And like you, you know, we'd spent a few minutes, I'd spent a few minutes with the person walking around the property, having a conversation. I was very comfortable with the people that were viewing the property. Um, so yeah. And, and again, it was you know, one of the things you don't want to have to do, but we, so we canceled the, the remaining viewings just for them. Um, because already having four offers on the table was going to be, you know, well, say challenging enough, but you know, we, we, our process was quite simple for that based on doing all the other checks is, is if, if they're all the same, it was going to be first come first served. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I take a different approach to that. So my, my approach is to sort of tell everyone that has a viewing upfront that I, I won't, I, I don't want them to say straight away whether they want to make an offer or not. Uh, I will not sort of look at offers until all of the viewings are done. So I ask people to go away, think about it. If they do want to make an offer on, on the property, send me a message um, through OpenRent in my case, but through whatever platform you're using. And and then I will, will sort of consider them all afterwards. And and I do actually consider them. I don't go with just first come, first served. I go back to sort of what I think would be best for my property business. So I'm not trying to choose the, the, the person I like the most or whatever. I'm trying to choose the one that I think will look after the property, will pay the rent, will stay in the the property a reasonable amount of time and things like this so so there's lots of different things i am trying to weigh up and in this most recent case i had over 50 inquiries at the, the sort of first point as you say half of them didn't reply to the email but then lots did i offered viewings to somewhere in the region of 15 and in the end i actually did eight viewings people actually turned up and things and i had seven offers from that and from those seven Almost all of them were really good, strong candidates that I would be be happy to, to rent to and I would think would meet the, the sort of business requirements. So actual fact, on this occasion, it came down to flipping a coin as to who I actually went with in, in the end. So, so there you go. We're, we're back, to, uh, back to the office and choosing the lucky tenant. <laughs> mm. Which, yeah, for me, it comes back to, it's like for, you know, the reason, because first come, first served is, is it almost the same. If, if all things are equal, Essentially, it's it is luck of the draw, isn't it? Because, however, I would say that the person that got the property the last time around, she was so keen. She said, could I come and see the property an hour before we'd intended it? She said, I'm in the area. And and I've I've done this before with employing people. And I do find it very similar when you're employing people because you're, you're doing a number of things at the same time you're trying to get to know them. And the fact that she had demonstrated that she was really keen. Um, in fact, she traveled from somewhere quite far away. Um, she was desperate to be the first viewer because I think she, you know, she had an inkling uh, of how it'd be. Um, so, so that's, uh, and for me, like I say, if, if all things are equal, then, you know, there there is, you know, other than pulling short straws, it, it all comes out the, the same way if, if you're comfortable with those people. So, um, look, we're drawing towards the end of this podcast episode. So and we've already gone into quite a lot of detail around how we would set about finding uh, tenants using software. Once you get to the stage that we've just talked about, which is finding a tenant, you're then in a prime position to, to really get on board with a software like Patma, Property and Tenant Manager, where... What will happen then is Patma creates a checklist for you from then on because you know, we've gone into the level of detail that you would need for selecting a tenant, and rightly so, because these are properties that we that we either own or are looking on behalf of looking after on behalf of owners. So we want to make sure we've done that due diligence. 
But then there is a lot more to be done in terms of administrative duties, legal requirements, right to rents, uh, how to rents, uh, you, you know, all of the certification. But what's great about softwares like Patma, and we'll, we obviously advocate for that, is that all of that work will be done for you in terms of a simple checklist that you, you will then provide things to. We're not going to get into that today because there's a lot more that we'd like to go into that. Well, we will come back to that in another podcast episode and talk through those elements and actually run through that checklist um, that Patma provides to take all of the burden away from you in terms of thinking. But other than that, Simon, any final tips for, for the listeners and viewers that are uh, thinking about ditching the agents and taking this on themselves? I think I would just say that you can make great savings and it can be fantastic to actually create that relationship with the, the tenants you're going to be bringing in. But do be aware, it does take a little bit of effort. Yeah, so there, there's a slight trade off there, but I, I personally think it's well worth it. Yeah. And that was my final point as well. So we were in sync, which is just by doing this ourselves, we saved thousands of pounds in, in one year. And that was on one property. We saved thousands of pounds. However, that comes at the cost of effort because, you know, it's quid pro quo. So all of the things we've just talked about, you're going to take on that the agents do. But if you're paying 10, 12, or typically 12%, I would say, certainly in the southeast. But I know people that are paying 18% uh, as well, including VAT. So you, you, can, you can save thousands just on one property alone by doing it. So there is definitely value there, but you then have to trade in some of your time or you know the team's time if you're going to do that. But it's definitely worthwhile. Hope you found some value in this podcast episode. If you have, do please at least leave a, a rating and or review if you feel so inclined. Other than that, we'll see you in the next episode.